Hello everyone and we're back at it again with another episode of Punchline, the show that brings you poetry and perspective for the young and the young at heart. You already know I'm your host, Hannah Flores, the poet. Now let's cue that intro. Today on Punchline, I'll be breaking down a current issue in the U.S. that is affecting thousands of international students and advocate for the need of collaboration in situations like these. Stay tuned for the episode's second half for my new guest's inspiring words and initiative. She's truly changing the game. According to a recent CBC article, foreign students in the United States, numbering in the hundreds of thousands, will have to leave the country if their classes are all taught online this fall or transfer to another school with in-person instruction, a government agency said. It was not immediately clear how many student visa holders would be affected by the move, but foreign students are a key source of revenue for many U.S. universities as they often pay full tuition and three times the amount that residential students have to pay. The U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, commonly known as ICE, stated that it would not allow holders of student visas to remain in the country if their school was fully online for the fall. Those students must transfer or leave the country or potentially face deportation proceedings, according to its official announcement. The ICE guidance applies to holders of F1 and M1 visas, which are for academic and vocational students. The State Department issued 388,839 F visas and 9,518 M visas as fiscal in 2019, according to the agency's data. The ICE guidance does not affect students taking classes in person. It also doesn't affect F-1 visa students taking a partial online course load, as long as their university certifies that the student's instruction is not completely online or digital. M-1 vocational program students and F-1 English language training program students will not be allowed to take any classes online. Luckily, universities like Columbia, a well-known Ivy League school, is giving these displaced students a chance to stay. They're offering in-person international certified courses that will allow for all those who attend to stay grounded, literally. This is an amazing wave of hope that's spreading across American soil and academia alike. I wish all the best to those young people in odd situations right now. And the same to international students who intend to enroll in an American school this fall. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast, Punchline with Hannah Flores the Poet, is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, please follow my Instagram at Punchline Podcast or the host account at Hannah Flores the Poet for more updates and information. Now, let's get back to the show. In this day and age, and pretty much always, we desperately need collective and inclusive ideas. So, with that in mind, especially when it applies to this situation happening in America, 
we also need to look at different perspectives and see how we can include other people in different industries and with different talents in order to make something that truly packs a punch or that will make a difference in the future. Without further ado, I'd love to introduce to you my newest guest, Sadie Honchuk. She's from Louisiana, US, and she's amazing when it comes to all things activism, artivism, political science, or just politics in general. She has dedicated so much time and effort into her various initiatives and projects, and she's such an inspiring person. I'm so glad to invite her on the show. Hi, Sadie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Thank you. So, to start off the interview, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Given your unique situation, how do you allow for advocacy to shine in your community and beyond? Uh, well, that's a really interesting question. Um, for starters, I really was largely uninvolved in social justice advocacy or really any kind of advocacy, um, mainly due to the fact that I didn't know how to involve myself. You know, my school had limited club and I was kind of shy when I was younger, so uh, I didn't really know how to get involved. Um, but once I started being homeschooled, I found I had a lot of free time and a lot of spare energy. So I began just digging around through social media and just the internet, looking for places where I could do some work from home. Okay. Uh, so from that point on, I really rely on digital activism more than in-person or physical activism, I suppose, due to you know my unique situation. And that's just kind of where I do best is on a digital platform because I feel I can do more right okay i can definitely relate on the whole shy thing because as i've said in past episodes on this podcast i used to be very shy when i was younger and um it was difficult for me to find a voice so it's amazing to see what people can do with what they have and be able to create that platform for themselves to get started on inspiring projects so Speaking of inspiration, here's a great quote that I found by Dr. Maya Angelou. There is no great, greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. So what does that mean to you? Um, well, I find this quote to be really, really touching due to its complete and total accuracy. Uh, you know, humans have history of being naturally social creatures and storytelling is one of the the things that completely transcends you know nationality race or any of these identities you know you look at any different culture and you see how important storytelling is to any of those and it and i think that that is so ingrained in almost our genetics that when you when your stories and your thoughts are repressed either directly or indirectly by your environment, it can be really painful and frustrating, you know? It's like um, 
It's like sitting in a room with someone when you want to say something really, really badly and they just won't stop talking. It, yeah. It's like that feeling. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's very magnified and drawn out. So when you're able to finally open up and tell your story on any platform, even if you're just talking to your friends or writing a piece for a magazine, it, there's this release of pressure because you're opening up and sharing your experiences through nonfiction or fictional mediums that allow your experiences to be further validated and understood by others in a way that they might, may not be able to in, in just keeping that to yourself. Okay, that makes total sense. I could not agree more. I feel that even from a personal perspective, that release of pressure for telling your authentic story and being who you really are and sharing that with the world, it's so incredibly uplifting and you feel that there's this huge weight being taken off of your shoulders. It's important for people to have that release um, for mental health purposes, but also just to advance society in terms of collective understanding. So, how can my listeners at home tell their stories? Um, well, there uh, are tons of ways. You know, we, we live in a digital age where you can access, you know, even when you're in quarantine, you can just tell your stories by, you know, hopping on a FaceTime call with your friends and talking about your experiences, uh, you know, just in quarantine or in general, or you can always create a piece of art and share it on social media or in a magazine, like I said, or you can just, you know, do something as simple, well, not necessarily simple, but as straightforward as writing down your experiences on a piece of paper or in your notes on your phone and sharing whether or not you share them it's a very important thing to be able to express your emotions in a way that that appeals to you it where you can also connect to others that may have similar stories or uh, share experiences and speaking of storytelling i know that art is a huge way for me to tell my stories and it's a huge way for you as well. So could you tell me a little bit about this amazing initiative that you've started called Young Artists for Justice and what it stands for? What do you hope to accomplish with it? Uh, of course, uh, before I kind of jump into this, this story, I'm going to admit that the creation of this initiative was a complete and total accident. I did not intend for it to gain as much momentum as it did, um, but it, it started after the murder of George Floyd, and I was, you know, looking on social media, reading news articles, and, um, you know, spending a lot of time being frustrated because I can't attend protests, um, particularly during a pandemic. Uh, so I was trying to figure out ways, you know, something that was, I was thinking that there has to be something I can do, you know, while I'm sitting at home to help protesters or to, you know, find some way to just release that feeling of frustration and inadequacy because I feel like I felt like I wasn't contributing. So I made a little, a little all call or a call to action and, and shared it to my social media, sent it to a couple of friends who shared it on theirs. And it, you know, it just said, you know, if you're an artist of any medium, please, you know, message me and because I have an idea for something we could start and to help Black Lives Matter protesters. And 
I, the amount of responses I got was so enormous that when we were figuring out how to set up our Teespring shop and send in donations from selling, you know, pieces of our art and merchandise, we ended up kind of discussing um, how to make this a longer term thing. And that's how the idea of Young Artists for Justice was born. So now at the moment we're donating to uh, various nonprofits that are associated with Black Lives Matter, LGBT rights, you know, um, a, a large spectrum of different issues. And I, I would not have been able to do it without the wonderful, wonderful people who, you know, popped into my DMs and were like, you know, let's, let's do this. Even people who weren't artists reached out and asked for ways to help. So it was, it just ended up becoming a very momentous thing just due to the sheer number of people that were interested in helping. Well, clearly, you definitely are a game changer, and I'm so inspired by your project. What are your career and outreach goals for the future? So, like, what do you want to study in school, and um, what are your plans for advocacy or nonprofit work? So, um, <laughs> at this point in my life, I am totally and completely invested in the importance of social justice and equality on all, all levels. So I'm starting to try and cater my education and career, excuse me, career goals towards that. Uh, so my end goal is to be a staff attorney for the American Civil Liberties Union. Um, Amazing. And so I'm catering, you know, my education towards uh, political science and eventually law. Um, I feel like this career path to being a, a, a lawyer, specifically for an organization such as the ACLU, encompasses what I believe uh, is key to amplifying, you know, marginalized voices from all different backgrounds, and also utilizing my privilege that I experience as, you know, a white person uh, to allow others to tell their stories and demand rights based on their experiences um, that they have been disallowed by the world we live in. How do you feel that being a lawyer specifically would help to change things as they are um, given the political climate that we're currently living in? Well, uh, that is an absolutely question. Um, a lot of my inspiration for this is drawn from um, of former Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall. He, you know, he was a, and he was the only attorney for the NAACP uh, during a time that was very, very contentious for people of color, specifically black Americans. And he utilized his knowledge and his expertise as a lawyer to, to push and force so many you know, so many uh, court rulings that helped improve the lives of black Americans that, you know, he's, that are even felt today. Um, so his, I found his record as an attorney to be very impressive, that his record as a Supreme Court justice to be even more so impressive. So I take a lot of inspiration from kind of utilizing your, your knowledge and your abilities to push for the rights of others, even if it is difficult at times. Given the fact that we're in quarantine, what are some things that you enjoy doing? Um, well, 
I've been spending a lot of my time in quarantine catching up on, you know, reading books that I've been meaning to read for a while, uh, relaxing by, you know, watching TV with my dad or drawing, you know, I'm sharing more art than I normally do because I have all of this free time and continuing my advocacy work on a digital scale since that has become so much more amplified during quarantine since everyone's stuck inside. Awesome. Okay. So, last question to wrap up the interview. What makes you feel powerful? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, I would say what empowers, I, I guess it, it, this feels empowering to me, is utilizing my privilege or my abilities or the opportunities that I am given or work towards to kind of amplify the voices of others. Um, to, to, to be able to ensure that spaces that I enter are as inclusive and as equitable as they possibly can be. I'm very excited to see what you do in the future, and I'm excited for the progress of your artistic initiatives, and thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone who hears what you have to say will be inspired and motivated, I'm telling you, for sure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. And that wraps up another amazing interview. Thank you so much, Sadie, for joining me on the show today. And please don't forget to check out her Instagram for the initiative of Young Artist for Justice at Young Artist for Justice on Instagram. Scroll through their page and check out all the incredible art pieces. That's what I'm doing right now. I can see there's so many amazing talented artists that are a part of this initiative and maybe you could even jump on board if you feel creative and you want to share your work. Also, don't forget to follow her personal account at underscore dot X-I-R-A-S-O-I-S dot underscore. Thank you so much for being on the show again today. That beats me to the punchline. I'm your host, Hannah Flores, the poet, and thanks for tuning in this week. Don't forget to check out the podcast Instagram at Punchline Podcast or at Hannah Flores, the poet, for more updates, exclusive content, and some amazing surprises along the way. So please don't forget to check that out. The podcast is streaming on all platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, everything. So don't miss another episode and keep up with what's going on on the show. Thank you so much. And the show is made possible by listeners like you. Stay tuned for another episode next week on Punchline with Hannah Flores, the poet. <laughs>